0: Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home. fact, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can even download the kids' activity sheets. And I love when I hear that grandparents have downloaded them for when the grandkids come over or people have printed them off for the neighbor's kids So that's what that's all about, passing off uh, God's word to others. So download those, grab your Bibles. uh, And my message title today is His Perfect Plan, His Perfect Plan. We're going to be looking today in John chapter 3. And I always think it's a story that we probably should have read in John 2. And then John 2 should have been in John 3. Last week, we looked at uh, the miracle, Jesus's first miracle, turning water to wine. But we specifically looked at his mother, Mary, that though she had not seen any miracles, she knew Jesus. She knew what he would do and could do. And yet Jesus talked about that it wasn't his time. We looked at that, uh, he always never acted independently, always acted in alignment with his heavenly Father and he did that miracle, the water turned to wine. But you would have thought that we would have read this first about uh, really salvation and being born again. But let's go to the one verse that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. In fact, this sets up uh, what we've been teaching here on Sundays. Mark 1, verse 14 through 15. Now, after John was put in prison, prison, this is John the Baptist. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. In fact, that's what we've really been looking at. Repent and believe in the gospel, coming before the Lord every uh, morning, every night, making sure that if we have done anything, said anything, that we bring it to Him, we confess it to Him, First 1 John 1:9. 1, also that we believe in the gospel. We believe in the words that we're reading. You know, my uh, former supervisor, Dennis Easter, and I love this thought that he said. He said, every night when I go to bed and I put my head on the pillow, I replay over my day and the conversations that I had, and I made sure to take care of any business with the Lord that I need to take care of before I close my eyes and go to sleep. That's a heart that uh, is active in responding uh, to the Lord. That's a, a humble heart before Him. Well, I want to pick up today in John chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. And I believe I will read all of these verses. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to read all of these verses. In fact, before we read these, let's stop for a minute and let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us and to teach us these things. Lord, we thank you for this time to open your word. Your word is looking into us. And Lord, even in a story or an illustration that we have read before, we know that the Holy Spirit can take it and it can become powerful through our lives. And we bless you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter three, the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus You know, uh, some used to call it Nick at Night. Uh, That was another um, even TV series that was out. And again, I would have expected to see this before a miracle, but you'll see as we read on the things that happened and the things that Nicodemus himself says. John chapter one. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So let's look at this for a minute uh, before we get started. This is Nicodemus. One of the Pharisees, one of the rulers of the Jews, the highest level of Jewish leader in Israel, a Pharisee. All right? The understanding and the knowledge of the Old Testament, the studies of the Old Testament, the studies of the law, uh, very acute to all of the rituals that need to take in place. Well, he comes to Jesus by night. You know, many, many times and others have read into this before that he came by night so nobody would see of that ruling class that he came to Jesus. And that probably is true. But here's the one thing that we know coming at night while everything was settled down. Remember, this isn't a night life community like we have today. When it got dark at night, it was dark and people went to their homes because they were up at sunlight. Right? Daybreak, active. So he comes to Jesus by night because it's probably an opportunity that he now has a one on one opportunity with Jesus because he's got some questions in his heart. But here's what it says We know that you have come from God, and we know because we have seen the signs. Well, that goes into something that I, I mentioned early on where I would have guessed that this would have been before the sign of water to wine, before any other the signs that maybe aren't recorded for us. The signs that he both maybe saw and heard were, uh, were known that this could only be from God, that this was not an ordinary man. This was something extraordinary. And he comes to him by night, to ask him and to have a conversation early on in the ministry of Jesus. Somebody that had all of the knowledge of the scriptures, but this was activating something in his heart to know more. And so we pick this up where he's already said, in fact, let me read verse two. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus started about uh, teaching the kingdom of God. Now he's saying, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's not being sarcastic to Jesus. He's trying to mentally understand the words that Jesus said about being born again. The only born again that he's ever heard of that makes any sense to him is childbirth. Well, Jesus goes on and he says, He says this to him. He said, uh, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to these things, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And do you not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And do these next verses sound familiar to you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation Wow, there's so much for us to go through in these scriptures. But I think it's important for us to look today at a couple of things. Nicodemus has the knowledge. He's well studied. He's a Pharisee. He's a ruler. He's been placed in a high position because he has studied to show himself approved. He studied to show himself approved enough to teach others. But now Jesus has come on the scene doing signs, speaking in authority, and something on the inside of him has been beckoning him to come to Jesus by night for a one-on-one conversation to ask him some questions. And Jesus really keeps the conversation around the power of salvation and being born again. In fact, verse 3 Jesus said these words. He answered and said, Most assuredly I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, we don't you really use those words again. You know, you're you're of the born agains. That that used to be a phrase a lot, the born agains. But it it reminds us that at salvation, at the time that we confess Jesus as Lord. Uh, We were born again. Our spirits were reborn. Remember this, and the Bible teaches this, that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit. You are a spiritual being. You will live eternally, whether eternal life or eternal death. You will live eternally. You have a soul. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Sometimes people say, oh, they've got a rotten soul. Well, it's not talking, it's talking about their mind, will, and emotions. And we know that the Bible, when we read the Bible, when we put the Bible into practice, we are renewing our mind, right? We're renewing our mind. We have this body, this flesh, this flesh that will die, this flesh that tries to lead us astray. But Jesus knows the most important place to start is that you receive him, that you are born again. Your spirit then becomes alive. Now, remember, Nicodemus, Nick at night, Nick is coming to talk with Jesus and he's a Pharisee. You know what Jesus thought about these group, about Pharisees, let me read it to you. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, here's what Jesus says to them, and the scribes and he says woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte you travel all over just to win one person and when he is one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves that's that's some bold language that's what Jesus thought about this group. And then another time he said, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Remember, all of this knowledge, but eternally lost, which lets us know that we've gotta be led by the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Serpents, brood of vipers, he called them. But Jesus didn't stop with Nicodemus and say, you know what? You're one of those serpents. You're one of those vipers. He explained to him, really, the gospel. Well, that's what he came to do. That's what we open with Mark. He was preaching the kingdom of gospel, repent and believe in the gospel. In fact, we read one of the most powerful verses in the Bible that explains all of this. And Jesus says it in verse 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world in Genesis 6 that he didn't wipe it all out and cast it aside. He found Noah, a righteous man, and he spared his family of eight. And even through all of him bringing the law through Moses, even all of the the kings and the leaders that he put in position and and people that he had to move out, people that trusted him, it still didn't rectify this spirit that was lost, that needed to be redeemed and renewed and regenerated and birthed and born alive. And so he sent his own son. Revelation lets us know that before the foundation of the world, that the lamb, Jesus, was already slain. So so that the world would understand and know how much God loved it, he sent his own son. In fact, verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to live among among us, not in a condemnation, but in loving one another, teaching the gospel, teaching to repent from your ways, turn around, follow after God in his word. Powerful when we read about that. You know, we read uh, later where Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. In fact, John's gonna show and record three different times that Nicodemus enters into the scene here. In fact, it says, Nicodemus, the one that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, this is talking to the religious leaders of the day, Do not does not our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he was doing? He was saying, you need to listen to what Jesus said. Don't just judge him, hear him out. Here Nicodemus speaks again about Jesus. How powerful is salvation, one of it, you could not purchase it. It has to be believed in faith. In fact, one of the simplest ways of the gospel in action is when Jesus is dying on the cross between two thieves. In fact, we read in Luke 23, verse 39 through 43. Now remember the scene, Jesus is between the cross, the verse before They have just nailed above above him king of the Jews. And it says this, then one of the criminals, and these were men that had crimes that they deserved crucifixion and the death penalty. One of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us blasphemed him. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into my kingdom. And Jesus said to him, "Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise." Now, here's an illustration that seems to be so simple. Is you have one that blasphemes Jesus and one for some reason knows that he's innocent and wants Jesus to remember him when he goes into paradise. He knows that Jesus stood for something, believes for something, and he wants to live with Jesus. That's mind boggling to the guy on the cross. You know, isn't that a description of today? And really Jesus in Revelation, he'll separate the sheep from the goats. It it really breaks down to those that absolutely do not believe in Jesus and will blaspheme his name. And those that believe in Jesus, believe on his name and will confess him as Lord. You know, this really goes into play in Nicodemus knowing so much and yet we remember the words of Solomon where Solomon opens up Proverbs 1.7 and I want you to hear this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the holy awe of God is the beginning of knowledge. Nothing should super exceed God's word. I don't understand it all. I, but I believe it all. I don't understand how he did the things that he did, but I believe it by faith. I believe it by faith because to fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When I take his words, his Bible, I fear God more than I fear man. I will follow what God says and what God does. The rich young ruler comes across Jesus. In fact, Jesus, though he throws out the 10 Commandments in, in opposite ways, probably trying to trip him up and to find out what he knows, the rich young ruler says that he has obeyed the law since he was a youth. Yet the rich young ruler would not do what Jesus said to do and he turns and he walks the other way and he leaves sad. And it really brings a point this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. He had more fear in what he would lose rather than in the fear of the Lord. And he knew that Jesus had the answer. It didn't matter that if he ran and knelt before Jesus in front of everybody. He knew that Jesus had the answer, but he would not do what Jesus said to do. And he went the other way sad. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, we read again about Nicodemus after Jesus has has died. You know, he's not named, Nicodemus is not named there being at the cross scene, though we know other rulers were calling things out to Jesus. So there's probably a good indication that Nicodemus was there because at the end when, when Jesus said, it is finished and he gave up the spirit, uh, John of Arimathea and Nicodemus are there. And here's what we read in John 19, verse 39 through 40. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of lemon with the spices as the custom of Jews is to bury. John mentions it again, Nicodemus, who came at night. Who came at night. Again, did he come at night so nobody would see him, or did he come at night because he knew he could get one-on-one with Jesus? But here he is at the end of the cross, at the death of Jesus, with a hundred pounds. Think about that. A hundred pounds of aloes and anointing oils and things to to embalm Jesus. And we know that he believed in Jesus's words, in Jesus's signs. Yet we don't see anything later on about Nicodemus. We don't read about him though. I, I would believe that he was in the upper room. There was so much leading him along that I always kind of get a picture of him in the upper room. That if Peter would deny Jesus and if Thomas would would doubt Jesus and if Judas would betray and hang Jesus and they these were the apostles that this one would have had a transformation. You know, the Apostle Paul, I think says it best because the Apostle Paul was a ruler of rulers. The Apostle Paul was on the fast track uh, of working his way up. But he says these words about himself and you and I. In Ephesians chapter 2, 3, for uh, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. He wants to remind us you know what? You were once like that, but you have been changed. I think that's what's so powerful in the what the gospel does. You and I, we've been changed. If you've accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, a change begin, takes place instantly on the inside of you. Now, it's gotta be walked out. You've gotta be a follower of Jesus. You've gotta be a disciple of Jesus, following his words, his teaching, the gospel, the Bible, what it says. Those two great words repenting and believing in the gospel. But the apostles Paul we weren't we once were like that. We didn't conduct ourselves the right way. Yet the Bible's full of characters written down men and women, young and old that followed the followed the Lord first and then Jesus by faith took his words at faith. Saul took his words at faith before he became Saul. He accepted Jesus as Lord. He knew everything, the scriptures. He even said himself that he was blameless, but he once conducted himself of the flesh. And now he's following after God, following after the God that sent his son, not to condemn the world, but to offer this world salvation through him. You know, there's a powerful verse when uh, when the, these apostles are thrown into prison, and one of the soldiers who's concerned about his safety because God has just done something powerful in that prison. In fact, Acts 16, 30, and 31. And he brought them out. And he says, Sir, what must I do to get to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. What must I do? Isn't that the question? And you know what, when we read this, it seems so simple. Actually, it seems too simple, too easy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It is simple. The confession is simple, but it will cost you everything. Because you are following after him. You are listening to his voice. You are living your life now by faith in Christ and Christ alone. It's simple to accept him. But as Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up your cross. And follow me daily. I love where John by the Holy Spirit charts out for us in John 3, in John 7, and then here at the end in John 19, a man by the name of Nicodemus who knew it all. And yet his heart was leading him otherwise when the words of Jesus were heard. It caused a stirring on the inside of him to know more and to ask questions and to know more. That's, that's what the word of God does. It, it causes us to be hungry and to thirst for righteousness. You know, David, David mentioned something early on. In fact, David mentioned it when he got in trouble. He mentioned the joy of your salvation. He didn't say the joy of his salvation. Because at that time he could not be saved because Jesus had not come and died and rose again. He understood understood something of the joy of God's salvation because David was redeemed by a circumstance that he created. You know, this world system created a circumstance that our nature was fallen, but God sent his son Jesus not an angel, not something else to do. He sent his own to come, and to walk alongside of us and to be perfect and blameless, to be beaten and to be whipped and to bleed and to suffer on the cross, to be there long enough to die for every sin, every sickness, every disease, past, present, and future until he comes again, taken care of on the cross. In fact, the apostle Paul reminds us when we confess Jesus as our Lord that we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer you that live, but Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. He's walking out this life with you day by day. He's living through you. You have to live the surrendered life to him. Learning how to tune into his voice. Following his spirit. Being led by his spirit. Read Luke 4 where Jesus now is being, comes out of the wilderness full of the spirit of God. But he's led by the spirit. Well, We're going to stop uh, for there today, but if you've been listening and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, in fact, maybe you're a lot like Nicodemus where you've had conversations with the Lord, conversations with people on the side. You've messaged people before about questions, but this might be your opportunity to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life. In fact, we say a prayer that we read out of the Bible, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what we were reading, born again. You shall be born again from a spirit that becomes alive. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life, your, your name or something rejoiced about in heaven because Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer, if you would, with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I confess and accept Jesus as my Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today, I begin my relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I would so encourage you just to do a couple things. Reach out to us either by email or website or by the social media platform that you're watching But if you know somebody that maybe they've been talking to you about Jesus, I would encourage you to get on the phone, call them, text them, message them, to let them know that you made a decision. But would you follow Jesus by his words in the Bible? You have a new life. The Bible says you're a new creation in him. There is something that happened in you that Jesus has come to live in you and to help direct your steps. It's the most important prayer and the most important decision you will ever have made, but tell somebody. Well, as we receive our tithes and offering today, I wanna to read this short but very powerful verse. I love it when I read this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. You know, as I was putting this verse down in my notes, I specifically sensed that some people were believing God for big, big, big things. Things that they needed to take place. In fact, we might say this, things that needed to happen like a miracle. Well, I wanna encourage all of us today with this one verse that we watch what God does that we stand fast in the faith, that we'll be brave and we'll be strong. My wife and I have always done this when we have faced either obstacles coming or things that we're believing in for or larger projects uh, than normal and we just don't have the funds, don't see how we're going to do it. We always stop and we always stand fast in the faith. We're gonna be brave and bold, but we're gonna give unto the Lord so that the Lord sees that we trust him alone. We don't trust in ourselves. We don't have that to do it. We've got to trust in the Lord. It's like that miracle we looked at last week where Jesus had them fill the water pots with water. He didn't have them fill it with wine. He had them fill it with water. He knew what he could and would do. Here's what we know according to the word. We know what God can do, and we know that what he will do, he wants to know are we going to have faith to believe what he says he will do. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be bold. Pray this with me. As I give in today's offering by faith, I see my God working on my behalf to open doors that have been shut and to open my mind to new ideas and my heart to new passions. I give today with great expectation for my God to do the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Yo, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. It's safe, fast, and secure. Always pray, even if you give online, always pray and believe that God is your provider and he's giving back to you. You can also write to us and give by mail at The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And if you're in the Arcadia area, we would love to see you and meet you in person at our service on Sundays at 10 a.m. And as we do each and every week, allow this to be a prayer. Allow this to be something that you say. In fact, the reason we are The Hills Church is this verse, these two verses. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord bless you. Follow the Lord. Be brave.